The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Friday the 13th of September 2019, you are tuned in to a delayed version of HTM Sports right here at the Hitting the Marks podcast network, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that order, the B to the V. Rick Vickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. Jargo, as you mentioned, we are on this week on delay, but it is with good reason uh, because uh, we wanted to. There's a major story floating around out there. We wanted to pick up a little more of the bits and pieces, the news and rumors, everything that's developing. And but, you know, we regularly say wrestling is is personified, and it is at its best when it mimics real life. But we never thought about the other side, real life is personified that it's best when it mimics pro wrestling and that seems to be the case everything we've got here surrounding antonio brown it's funny can a heel turn more heel would this like be the equivalency of mjf turning heel on cody like he's already a heel but now he's like an even bigger heel is that kind of where antonio brown is like the heel turn was joining the the oakland raiders but then he like double heel turned when he went to the new england patriots at least that's the way that it seems inside the media now we got this potential triple heel turn as he's out there <laughs> committing, you know, hideous crimes against, you know, regular society. I mean, this would be like the equivalent you know, of, you know, Hogan joins the NWO and then starts urinating all over the crowd. I mean, I don't know how, how you can sum it up with more. Yeah, this is just crazy. I guess let's start with the football aspect. So Antonio Brown has joined the New England Patriots. It's a one-year, $15 million deal, a $9 million bonus, only a $6 million cap hit if they would decide to cut Antonio Brown, which seems as though that could be a real possibility at this point. They did pick up a 2020 option for $20 million. So if he does well this year, if he even plays this year, which it sounds like he's going to play Sunday, but if they decide to pick up the option, that goes from a $6 million dollar cap hit to a 20 million dollar cap hit next season so rick when you first heard the news antonio brown to the new england patriots like this is the most new england patriots thing ever right well i mean absolutely we've had all the years these talks about you know especially here in cincinnati going back i mean we were known as the convict team yeah. You, know, you, you go even further back, you know, when Brown just left, you had the Raiders as the bad boys. I mean, there was a time, the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. I mean, the, the Patriots are blowing all that out of the water right here. I mean, they are taking everybody off of the heat, everyone else's problem, all these problem childs, bringing them together, and yet they continue to find success. Uh, but to kind of go back, you know, I went back and listened to last week's show, what we were talking about. You know, I, I had the conspiracy hat on here. Is this exactly, did the Raiders know what they were getting here? I mean, we're talking about a, a mediocre football team. They don't really have a home right now. Everyone's talking about this, this grand future in Vegas, but they're going to be at the bottom of this division. But yet, they're the team we're talking about. They were the spotlight heading into week one. I, I, you know, I questioned them. Did they know what was going on here? And then this story just it gets crazier and crazier. And you know, the GM is a cracker. 
Gruden says he's going to play and that Brown's going to play for the season. And then almost in the same breath announces the release. And, and then you see immediately across, you know, it, it, the sports circles, the wrestling circles, anywhere on social media, everyone's speculating. I mean, it was damn near. I mean, how fast could you type he's going to the Patriots? And then it actually happened. It took about an hour and a half from from the time he was released to the time he was announced that he was going to New England. Now, I guess my question for you, though, Rick, is I, I can absolutely buy into this entire conspiracy theory that this is what he wanted all along because the New England Patriots tried to get Antonio Brown back in May and the Steelers wouldn't trade Antonio Brown to the Patriots. So you absolutely have to take that into consideration. The other thing you have to take into consideration is Drew Rosenhaus, who is well documented as being like the most crooked sports agent on the face of the planet. Like if Jerry Maguire did a heel turn, he would be Drew Rosenhaus. Like that's how big of a guy like Drew Rosenhaus is inside of the sports world. I could absolutely see them orchestrating this entire thing. We go to Oakland, we get the ratings for hard knocks. We sell a bunch of tickets we throw a fucking fit about the helmet or or the cleats or whatever the hell we feel like throwing a fit about today we get released by the raiders we throw a party and then we just sign with the freaking patriots because that's where we wanted to go to begin with that's a tremendous point you know going back to when the steelers agreed to this okay we will get you out of here you no longer want to play with us but you're not going to damage our chances in division we're not going to give our you know top competitors your services so they shipped him over there. Like you said, you know, you got all this TV publicity. It is the Raiders. They, they expect the circus. They want the bad boys. And then everything starts. If it's something in his leg to frostbite to, I can't, I'm not going to play if I can't use my helmet. So everything that we've seen here, and that lends to all the speculation somewhere here that, that the Patriots might have been involved in some tampering. I mean... It, it, it depends on what the NFL wants to consider tampering, because obviously inside of the NBA, t- the tampering laws or rules have become incredibly laxed. Um, what consists of tampering now inside of the NFL? Does it have to be somebody from the organization or could it just be, you know, TB12 shooting a message to AB84? Hey, bro, what's up, man? It, like if players communicating back and forth, is that tampering in your mind? No, I mean, and, and you know, to relate something to professional wrestling, you know, that's how they they used to work those deals back and forth. You have somebody that was kind of just floating between, or maybe working the independent scene, but had connections up in New York, had connections in Atlanta, maybe knew some people over in Japan. I, I think it was a uh, uh, Bushwhacker Butch that was uh, was very well known on the underground for being that you know kind of that dark horse connection between the, the different towns. Rocky Romero. Yeah, to, you know, to to you know, kind of set these deals up, uh, and you're exactly right. You know, what is defined? I mean, how detailed is it? And I, I'm not knocking those involved in the NFL uh, in their front offices, their legal team, and all that. But I'm willing to bet anything that these agents representing the union, the players, and even talking to you know coaching staff like that, that they're a hell of a lot smarter than what we've got on the books. Well, dude, and, and that's really the thing. When you when you want to get down to the brass tacks of this Antonio Brown deal to the Patriots, how is this going to affect that CBA when that comes up for negotiation? Because this is exactly why the owners don't want to give out these giant contracts. This like this entire Antonio Brown story, while 
it's great for media pundits who want to talk about it. When you look at the long-term ramifications of this thing, all the way down to the helmet, all the way down to the frostbitten feet, all the way down to throwing a tissy fit and calling your owner a cracker so that you get released and you can go sign with the already Super Bowl favorites. Like this is going to be a huge deal when it comes time to renegotiate that CBA. This is going to absolutely, this is going to fall under the spotlight you know, as well, we've talked about in the past, you know, how these rookie deals are structured and how they can use these players coming in, dump them off when they expect to start getting those, you know, I want to say, you know, major paydays in their eyes. Uh, I know that, that sounds kind of crazy to some individuals because, you know, what these rookies make, but and, and they can dump them off because they can essentially with the tags and all this use them five, seven years and then reload at another low end. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hot debate between both of these sides. You've laid it out there. I agree with you 100%. Be prepared for a stoppage at some point when they go back to this bargaining table. So then we have on Sunday night, we had the Patriots just go out and absolutely dismantle the Pittsburgh Steelers. They blow them out 33 to three. Brady just owns Pittsburgh. He's 12 and three in the regular season, three and oh in the postseason against the Steelers. Rick, the Patriots without Antonio Brown look like they're already heads and shoulders above the rest of the league. Yeah, I've absolutely looked incredible. And even with everything going on, I know we're going to we're going to talk about away from the field, away from professional football, which is now is even more of a circus. This could destroy any other franchise, but the Patriots seem to thrive on this. Yeah, yeah they'll take this and get better somehow, even if he doesn't suit up for them. You know, if it doesn't, it doesn't actually happen, or if it's not for the long term, they're going to thrive off of something like this. And here is what's ridiculous: when you look at their schedule, even without Antonio Brown, with everything in chaos, this is their next run of games: at Dolphins, Jets, who are going to be without Sam Darnold, at Bills, at Redskins, Giants, at Jets, Browns. And then they run into a real football team at Ravens. Like it, they could be six and zero before we even know it. Like I feel like they've already clinched the AFC East now that Sam Darnold's out for the Jets. Well, even going in, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of I'll doubt who was going. You know, who's the powerhouse here? Who's going to emerge at the end of the season? But it's week two, and I feel like it's wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, just go ahead. I mean, they're they're going to the playoffs. I mean, go ahead and give them the, give them the championship. Uh, they've clinched the in. Start printing the t-shirts and the hats and start selling them because you pretty much you've already done it. And, and it, you know and how, that would be so Patriots. It really go would. Out, we, go ahead and start printing AFC <laughs> AFC East championship gear week two. Hilarious. And and now there's a report out there, and I I think he was being facetious, but there is a report out there that Gronk's like week fourteen. <laughs> There we go. Although it's obviously a false report because in order for him to be eligible for the playoffs, he would have to return to the team by week 13. So it's it's clearly fake news. Let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this other Antonio Brown story now. Obviously, this is why we're running late this week. Rick, you and I both, we, we wanted to get more information on this thing, kind of see where it's going to play out. It looks like the Patriots are going to dress Antonio Brown, now wearing number 17 this Sunday in Miami against the Dolphins. Um, sexual abuse allegations against him. But the thing that I'm finding so intriguing about this 
is what do we do? Because there is not a criminal investigation involved here. This is actually a civil suit. So I, I don't know what in the world, how to proceed with this thing. I mean, this is so important to the woman that is accusing Antonio Brown of sexual assault that she's getting married this weekend and going on her honeymoon before she goes to meet with the NFL. Like it just, this seems like it is completely a matter of convenience and timing for her. Well, and even before, you know, those details came out and he's going to wear real quick. He's going to wear 17. I know he was rocking number one in practice. Yeah. 17. It looks like it's going to be AB 17. Not, not that that's the, the should be the big lead here about this portion of the news story, but, <laughs> but you know it, that almost it almost is. I, I'm not really buying into the details coming out of her camp. And uh, I guess in the story, she was working as a trainer, personal trainer, and this had happened multiple times. Three three different incidents that are being reported three, inside the suit. Three different times here. Uh, to me, if that is such if that's so traumatizing to you, I mean, you want the harshest extent of the law. You want this to be criminally handled. You want an actual punishment here. Uh, I wonder if she knows she doesn't have much to stand on in, in that sense, in, in that court. So she's going the civil rep where you see so many times people fail on that criminal side and they'll kind of resort to that civil. It seems it's much easier in that court to win your case. You get some kind of payday out of this thing and go on your way here. I'm not buying into her right now. And especially I think you'd want to push to the furthest extent of the law, then go with your civil thing if you can get backing and support there. And, and she doesn't really seem all that you know concerned or you know she's occupied with other things going on here or this should be her focus. I mean, this should be something you listen to that's a rape victims. And I mean, this is forever changing and in, in every aspect of your life. And she kind of seems to just be kind of very passive with it. There, there were two other things that really stood out to me aside from the, the civil versus criminal suit. Um, first, there is a story out there that she was trying to start up a company, wanted Antonio Brown to invest in the company. He declined. And that's when all of this came out. So that, that is a possibility that's floating out there. The other thing is with these civil suits, 90% of the time, this thing will get settled out of court and we never even hear about it. But Antonio Brown's like, uh-uh, fuck you. No, I ain't giving you shit. I'm going to take you straight to court because I didn't do a goddamn thing. Like, he is adamant. And it, it just seems like this is the kind of thing that would go away quietly if there was more substance to it. I'm, I'm not denying her allegations in any way, shape, or form. But he clearly seems like he believes that he is innocent here. Well, I mean... The Brown camp, they are admitting that, that there was sexual uh, activity between the two, but everything was consensual was, was consensual between two adults. Uh, so, you know, that's their argument there. They're not denying that anything like this happened. He's not trying to run from it. He seems he's taking it head. You know, he, he's a, he's going head into this thing. I guess no pun intended, but I, I don't think this is going to be. I don't know where the league has any grounds right now because you said, you know, nothing criminal has been brought about. Uh, but I think it's just all kind of magnified because of all these other you know situations that we've got surrounding him in these headlines. Now, with all that said, why would the Patriots put him on the exempt list? Hell yeah, he's starting on Sunday. You know, like at, at this point, with the information that we have, if you're the Patriots, like there's people out there calling for him to cut Antonio Brown. Why? 
Like, what, what motivation do the Patriots have to cut ties with Antonio Brown here or throw him on the exempt list or to suspend him? Like, it's just, it doesn't seem like there's the basis there for it at this point. And like you said, man, any other team, this would be a huge distraction. This would, Everybody would be talking about this. Somebody at the press conference the other day went to ask Bill Belichick about it, and he cut him off straight in the middle of the sentence and just said, nope. Do you have any comment on nope? Like oh, same, same as Brady. Yeah, just cut him off right at the freaking knees. This is the Patriots. Like it wouldn't surprise me if in two weeks this is no longer a story at all. Well, it, it, when people talk about the Patriot way and their style, that system is we don't care. Yeah, we're here to play football. We want to yeah. win it. We're going to win, baby. Yeah. You know, going back to the old just win, baby. That's what they. That's what they want to do. They don't care about these outside distractions and they make it work whether it be josh gordon or whether it be randy moss or whether it be ocho cinco it's like how i don't know how they do it like it's got to be the hoodie right well i look at overall you know all the years since belichick got there uh, he's been involved in scandal himself where he was found to be having an affair uh brady's had questionable you know with you know with kids, you know, before his current marriage and all of that, you've had the flake gate, you had spy gate. These things all seem to go away within, within a month yeah. because they just completely no sell them. Yep. The just no sell them. That's exactly what it is. They just straight no sell everybody. The Patriots are the dot, dot, dot dive of professional football. Yeah, but the other thing is, too, Belichick's also the Paul Heyman of football because if you listen to his press conferences over the course of this pe- last week, you would think that they have never beaten the Miami Dolphins, and the Miami Dolphins are one of the elite teams inside of the NFL. Like, they are putting over the Dolphins so strong, and it's clear that the Dolphins are awful. Never mind that they just had 59 dropped on them in the opener. I mean, Lamar Jackson just absolutely destroyed the Miami Dolphins. What's Brady going to do? My God. Before we get to Lamar Jackson, let's talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns. You were in attendance at the game, Huckleberry. We talked a little bit about it in the locker room this past week over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Browns get embarrassed by the Titans. 43-13 to in the home opener. Baker Mayfield, 25-38, one touchdown, three interceptions. The big stat is 18 penalties for 182 yards. You're not going to win a whole lot of football games when you have 18 penalties for 182 yards. So, so Rick, now that the smoke is kind of cleared a little bit, what is the feeling in the great state of Ohio? What is the feeling about the Cleveland Browns going into week two, going into New York? Well, you know, as, as I've talked about Monday in the locker room, I mean, it was, it was very somber. People were absolutely shocked, you know, not, not just you know, that they lost, but in the, in the fashion that they did, they were absolutely dominated or undisciplined. Uh, just eaten alive uh, on the offensive line. And I think, you know, for a lot of the fan base, the reality set in very, very quickly. The honeymoon phase faded or it, it, it is almost gone. Uh, but the hope is still there. They realize, okay, yeah, we got all these Pro Bowl names. We got, all, we got this great star-studded, you know, in our, in our specialty positions and all that. They do have the talent, but they realize uh, you know, the defense has got to be a, be a little more disciplined. They got to improve up front. They've got to work out those kinks there. You got to protect Baker. 
Uh, but there is there's still great faith that, that this team is going to make the playoffs. They are moving in the right direction. Uh, so it is a fan base. Hey, they've, they've been patient. If, if anything, Cleveland Browns fans are very patient year after year. You know, they still believe this is going to be a, a season of great celebration. Hey, but if you're looking at the team here, it's, it's kind of a two sides here. You've got a lot of extra time. They're going Monday. So you got that extra day in there. You, you got that's going to fester a little bit more to think about what happened there. Now, do you do you learn? Do you mature? Do you capitalize from that? Or does that fester in you and you panic a little bit on the field? Luckily, it's the Jets. You know, luckily that they don't have a, another semi powerhouse coming in, you know, as their opponent. Uh, but yeah, Monday night, the eyes of the nation all on you. I mean, not not only you got to beat the Jets, you got to beat Monday Night Raw. I mean, that's all the pressure in the world, right? <laughs> uh, one thing that does help for the Cleveland Browns is going into that Jets game. Sam Darnold diagnosed with mono, and it sounds like he is going to be out for weeks, which is a very very sad disappointment for the New York Football Jets. Um, Rick, I the the question though that I have going into this game, I almost feel like this is a trap game for the Browns because everybody would have anticipated the Browns to go in there and win this game to begin with. Now you take Darnold out of this game, but like you said, this is going to be Monday night football in New York. Sam Darnold doesn't play on that Jets defense. Like would it shock you to see the Jets come out and just shock the Browns next Monday? I think the Browns are going to get them. Um, you know, getting the local news report. I've been down in Southern Ohio, so I haven't been is in touch with everything there. But you know, talking back and forth with some people, uh, they're they're sharing some things up here, and I th- and I do think they they realize the importance of this, and I like the situation. Uh, I, I obviously going to New York is a bigger stage. Monday night's a bigger stage, and I think this is a time where I think Tuesday morning it might not be as as impressive as people were talking about in the preseason, the expectations with the Browns, but. We're going to be talking about okay. This is more of the Browns that that everyone was hyped for, and they are and they are moving in the right direction. All right, let's shift. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson throws his coming out party against the Miami Dolphins, fifty nine ten. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, Seventeen of twenty, three hundred and twenty four yards, five touchdowns, ninety nine point four QBR, and one of two perfect one fifty eight point three QB ratings. For the week now, Rick. I guess there's there's two big questions here. Are the Ravens this good, or is Miami this bad? Because Miami already looks like they're in hashtag tank for Tua mode. Like if, if you remember the movie Major League, which I'm sure you do, being Cleveland Indians fan, like it, that's kind of what it seems like the Dolphins are at this point. Like maybe the ownership is just trying to tank this thing. Well, I, I don't know if it's an intentional tank. And you go back to what we're talking about. It's everyone's everyone's flying high with the Ravens right now. Uh, they're excited. You got all you know the talking heads, the analysts talking about these guys are real deal. You know, on both sides. You know, for for teams that have been down like like Pittsburgh and teams that are high right now, like the Ravens. I'm not sold. I'm not completely not sold on the Ravens. I'm not sold at the quarterback position. We were just talking about. How you know the Browns in their loss and the upset there? How bad they are? We didn't give praise there to to actually how good the Titans are. You know how they've slowly built up a team that is well distributed at every position. They got great depth, great talent. So here, you know, everyone wants to praise the Ravens because they're you know I mean hell they were 
three major outlets. It was uh, ESPN, Fox, and SI. Always, I had their receiving core as the worst in, in the league, in the entire NFL. They decimated that defense. I think this is more of a story of just how bad Miami is. I mean, this might be this Miami team might be one of the worst to be seen in decades. Week three is going to be real interesting for the Baltimore Ravens. They have the Cardinals this week, but next week at Kansas City, we'll find out real quick and in a hurry just what kind of playing field the Ravens are on when they go into Arrowhead. As for the Dolphins, I don't understand what the hell they're doing here, Rick. Uh, and, and I say that in the respect that they still have Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. They they gave away draft picks to go get Josh Rosen from Arizona. Why are we not playing Josh Rosen? Uh, I, I think that's what Miami fans are asking, been asking for a while. They don't know what the hell's going on down there. I mean, we, we talk about teams with it just seems complete lack of direction. Miami's right there. Yeah, it's a very, very confusing franchise at this point. Because, I mean, even, like, tank for Tua, okay, great, but you still have Josh Rosen. Like, you don't need two quarterbacks of that caliber, you know? Then what do you do with Rosen? What's his value going to be at that point? Luckily, your your core fan base and, you know, your your homers, you they've got South Beach uh, to kind of ease their, ease their pain, so... Well, that's the. Did you see? Speaking of South Beach, did you see that Bang Bros is trying to buy the Miami Heat's arena? So it would be the Bang Bros Center. Yeah, they're going to call it the BBC. Ten million dollars to rename the Amway Center to the Bang Bros Center. Dude, that's fantastic. It's great. Let's talk about uh, the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. Dallas downs the New York football giants 35-17. to 17. Uh, The Giants look like they're kind of a high school team at this point. Dak Prescott matches Lamar's perfect rating, 158.3, 25-32, 405 yards, four touchdowns, 96.9 QBR. Jerry Jones comes out and says Dax Prescott's contract is is eminent. So everybody's getting paid down in Dallas. I'm just, Rick, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys are going to turn into the Cleveland Browns. As soon as they pay all these guys, that offensive line is going to go downhill real quick. And I just, I don't believe in Dak Prescott even still. Yeah. At this point, it's up in the area. We've talked about this for weeks. It is, you know, some of the most interesting things outside as we were preparing for this is, is these contract situations and the overall impact of what they're going to have on the league and what, you know, and when you're giving these big deals just to individual players, how it kind of, it hinders, you know, just going with someone, an individual quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, that's just one. Now you're going to give out three of these top end deals when you're absolutely going to, you're going to decimate this team. Maybe, you know, you go with in this, you know, in this world, maybe you pretty much, maybe it falls on the defense where you've got pretty much a, a scab defense in there. Filling, you know, filling shoes, filling roster spots, and, and you're still relying on on your offensive line, and you hope that you've got enough power there uh, that that's going to keep you in the running. And in what seems to be, uh, it's going to be a very tightly contested NFC East. On the flip side, you have the New York Football Giants who decide to stick with Eli Manning, uh, Huckleberry. You know, I, I I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm making that phone call. 
Tom Coughlin in charge of running the Jaguars football operations, I could absolutely see them making a phone call to the Giants be like, what would it take to get Eli down here? We're going to talk about Jacksonville and their quarterback situation here in just a minute. Um, How long do the Giants stick with Eli? Or do you just cut your losses, get rid of Eli, put in Daniel Jones? I mean, because this team stinks. It's going to stink with Eli Manning or with Daniel Jones. Well, I think, you know, with your investment going forward with Jones, you, you don't want to risk anything. Uh, and that could be, you know, physically or mentally. You don't want to get that stank on it. So you, you ride out Eli and we're talking, you know, we're talking about everything that's happening in in Dallas. You know, are they how long are they going to be able to last there in contention before everything implodes? You know, you see you see these teams that can only be good for so long. Philly's still there. They're going to drop somewhere. Washington seems to be the kind of that middle of the pack, I don't know. I say they're more probably tilt, you know, towards the bottom. If we're looking at a scale of potential for teams, maybe if you're the Giants, maybe you're waiting to play your hand. You know, let everything else kind of break down around you and then emerge. Let's save. Let's save in some areas. Let's groom some individuals, and then we'll wait for that opportunity to kind of move up to the front of the pack. Kyler Murray made his NFL debut over the course of the week. Uh, Come back and tie the Detroit Lions. So already in week one, we've had another tie. Kyler Murray goes 29 of 54, 308 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But Rick, it was like something clicked for him all of a sudden inside of the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter alone, Kyler Murray goes 16 of 21 for 154 yards, two touchdowns, and, and the comeback tie. Um, Did you get to see any of Kyler Murray over the course of the weekend? And do you think this is going to work for Arizona? Because he is really small. I was going to say, and it's obvious, it stands out uh, when, you know, when he's out there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, great effort here to come back and, you know, to get one here on the Lions. Uh, I can't, but you got to feel for the Lions as well. I mean, this is kind of their tale, you know, coming out so good, so promising, and then to have it unravel on them. Uh, I think this, these are going to be two, two team, interesting teams to watch for very different reasons throughout the year. You know, I hear Matt Patricia is this defensive-minded genius. They were playing prevent defense so early in this game that itty bitty little Kyler Murray goes 16 to 21 in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't understand what in the hell the Detroit Lions were doing. Like, I, I don't understand the game plan. People were trying to tell me that the Lions are going to be good this year. You know, there were people picking them at like 10 and 6. They could win the division. The freaking Lions stink, man. They looked awful in this game. You know, all around, you, you just got to get rid of the prevent. Oh my God! Like, why do you go to prevent defense at the start of the fourth quarter? I mean, and all you got to do is put pressure on Kyler Murray. I mean, he had four passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage in this game. And you go to a prevent defense. I, I don't understand it. Kansas City rolls Jacksonville forty to twenty six. Um, a couple of big injuries for Kansas City though. Tyreek Hill injured with a broken collarbone. He's going to be out for a while. Patrick Mahomes with a sprained ankle, even though he goes for three hundred seventy eight yards and three touchdowns. Rick, those are two big injuries. Obviously, you take out Tyreek Hill altogether, but Patrick Mahomes with a sprained ankle, as much as Mahomes boy just runs around back there. I, I think this could be a big injury. This could be like the Aaron Rodgers knee injury last year where, yeah, he's going to play through it, but how much is this going to change Mahomes' game? Well, I, and that's going to be on, the, you know, 
being able to, to kind of, you know, make sure you're taking care of him through the week. And obviously, they know what they're doing there. He's going to be baby. They're going to make sure he's going to have the finest medical attention. They're going to have that thing going there. It's, but, yeah, I mean, they, they will have to change the game plan a little bit here. But I, I think people overlook, the, you know, his ability to stand in there in the pocket. I mean, he had some great performances, uh, tremendous highlight reel action, just staying put in there. So I, I'm perfectly – I believe that they're going to be okay here. Nick Foles, on the other hand, is out until mid-November. They're figuring week nine until Nick Foles' broken collarbone is healed up and ready to go. Rick, this is why I bring up this Eli Manning thing with Tom Coughlin running. Obviously, there's the relationship between Coughlin and, and Eli Manning. But when you look at the Jacksonville schedule going forward, they're at Texans, the Titans, at Broncos, at Panthers, Saints, at Bengals, Jets, Texans. Yeah, there's only one of those games that I feel like they, they can't win. You know, it, it's they're in the AFC South. The division just lost Andrew Luck. Houston, that offensive line looks like a mess, and you've got a killer pass rush there in Saxonville. Like, I'm looking at this schedule thinking the Jaguars could still win this damn division if they get a quarterback. Well, I, I, and you're, you're so, you know, you're, you're, you've been building up around, you know, why they need this quarterback. You know, you got the six rounder, correct, coming in, the, the rookie. I think, you know, they've got a good enough solid team around them. You really take care of him. I think they can, they can succeed with what they've got here. And my counter argument here, when you're talking about someone like Eli, how much more do you have and want to invest in that quarterback position right now? Gardner Minshew, sixth round pick. Currently the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But last week, Rick, when he came in, 22 and 25, 275 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Of course, you know, they, they, they still got blown out in the game, 40 to 26. So a lot of that is garbage yards. But maybe Gardner Minshew is the future in Jacksonville. Hey, you know, uh, there was a lot of guys that came late in, in drafts. Uh, and two of them are the ones we argue about as the goats and Brady and Joe Montana. Valid. Very valid. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Football, which absolutely killed Monday Night Raw in the ratings this week. I, wow, that was kind of a slaughter. Saints topple the Texans 30-28 to on a last-second 58-yard field goal. This just killed the third hour of Raw. Everybody tuning over to see the end of this game. Rick, a 58-yard field goal to win this thing. That's really the difference. So are these two teams the favorites in the AFC and NFC South respectively at this point? Well, we're looking at, you know, the success coming into this year and what they were looking to prove as they go forward. Uh, I think obviously, I mean, I think they, this is what people were expecting even before the preseason started is we're, you know, laying this, the season out months in advance, even going back to the draft. You know, these two are your favorites in in their divisions uh, to be hosting playoff games in the postseason. Still not sure I trust that Houston offensive line, man. Deshaun Jackson just getting rocked. Just getting rocked. Uh, Raiders top the Broncos. This is the only game that I got wrong in our Yahoo uh, Pick'em last week. Uh, I think everybody basically picked the Broncos. The Raiders come out and impress 24 to 16. Maybe this team's not going to stink. Well, and I think there is a, a lot of it, you know, we've got to take into account here. I don't, you know, Denver wasn't really high on everybody's radar. Denver wasn't really high on everybody's radar. 
So I, I just I think it was a matter of, you know, the Raiders got them. This was a good rivalry matchup. It's a big spotlight. And I think it, it really shows, you know, I think it speaks more to that Gruden has got a uh, good control on this team, uh, you know, for them to be able to bounce back from, from all these headaches that were going on. All right, let's do the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah! All right, Huckleberry. So last week, we both went one and one. Um, we, we, we both got Seattle defeating Cincinnati, even though that game was a hell of a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And then, of course, you went with Cleveland over Tennessee, and that didn't work out so good. And I went with the New York Jets to beat Buffalo, and that didn't work out so good for me. So we're both one and one this week. Who do you got for your Stone Cold Locks this week? Okay, uh, I, I want to go with a big one here. Uh, I had Seattle going over strong last week. I, I'm going to call it um, Pittsburgh is nothing like what we saw on the, uh, the Sunday night game. I'm going to take the Steelers at home over Seattle to get back on track, have people uh, buzzing once again about the Steelers. Uh, and then, you know what, I'm going to keep it uh, I'm gonna keep it right here at home. We're going to stay in the AFC North. I'll do it again. You know, I, I had them. I had them going down last week. I'm going to have them going over this week. I'm going to take the Bengals at home against the Niners. Ooh, that one's a ballsy pick. I don't know if I'd like that one if I was you. I'm going with Ravens and Colts. I think the Ravens are going to go into Indianapolis and just put on a track meet and run circles around the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm going to get this one out of the way because we can only take these teams once. And I just, I, I freaking hate this team so much. The Bears still suck. But I think the Broncos are worse than the Bears. I'm going to take the Bears going into mile high. And I'm, I, I'm not feeling real confident about that pick, but that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, well, I, think I wanted to mention here we were given our picks for our, our, our little fun thing we're going to do here on air at hashtag HGM Sports. But as you had mentioned, we, we've got a bigger game going on with you know some of our great friends and, and listeners and all that. Our, our family, the Huckleberries, here on the Hitting the Marks uh, platform. But yeah, uh, pull us up as through Thursday night's game here. We got Big Scotty. He's at the top. He's he's the sole leader. He's got 13 of them, right? Um, Matt Singleton, eight track back, a new creation, and Hugh Jargo all tied up there in that two spot with 12. And then there, there's just a, a cluster of us uh, at 11, a couple tens. Uh, and then I, I don't know what's up with him. He, he was a sports writer. He's at the very bottom here. I, I guess maybe because he made that adjustment from sports to that trance music. I don't know if it's like that secondhand drug stuff hit his head. But uh, our friend Eric Lake with only seven right so far. Fantastic. Shout out to Eric Lake. Uh, the Week two Vegas pick of the week. Yeah, and you'll notice on the run, I spelled week, W-E-A-K. <laughs> yeah, I'm ironic like that. Last week... People thought I was crazy taking the Washington Redskins to cover, but Huckleberry, they not only covered, they damn near won that game in Philly. I'm one for one on the Vegas pick of the week. This week, Jaguars at Texans. Texans plus nine and a half. I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover that nine and a half. Shout out to Gardner Minshew. Yeah, hook it up, kid. Put it up against that Houston defense. Not like J.J. Watt's going to be looking at you. Let's let's look at this from this another with your with your lock, and we'll track this as well. Uh, what kind of what kind of Benjamins would you be throwing down? Ooh, 
I, I, I guess I kind of think of everything in like you know hundred dollar bets. So I, I think I'd I think I'd throw a hundred bucks on the Jaguars this week to cover this nine and a half at freaking Houston. Nine and a half? Well, Doesn't that say, seem right. way high for you? Well, we'll have to go back and figure this out. We'll, we'll talk about it. What you what you're up to next week? Where your bank's at? And we'll see what your bank account is instead of if you're right or wrong on the covering. Yeah, let's go with it. Um, I was real tempted, man. Patriots at Miami. Patriots getting 14 and a half on the road. I mean, that's definitely a tempting bet, but I I, I, I stayed away from it. I'm going to take Jaguars at Texans. But 14 and a half for an NFL game? Have you ever seen a line like that? That's insane. Well, and a, a team, you know, in the Patriots that traditionally struggle. Yeah, they suck in Miami. Yeah, they traditionally struggle in Miami. And that usually comes later in the year. But I mean, we'll see how they do here. But hell, you know, as I mentioned, this this Miami team, they, this, they might be one of the worst that we've ever seen. 14 and a half? Holy cow. Hey, um, you know, I, I'm really hoping that they that they go 0 and 16. You know, just so we can have that same franchise. I did the perfect and, and then the, the perfect again. Speaking of our picks from last week, uh, how'd that Cincinnati uh, going over uh, the Ohio State University work out for you? Two days, two days in a sea of, of Northern Ohio fans in my in my Cincinnati gear. First half, man, I was believing. I was believing. And by the end of it, I'm crying into my beer and I just score a touchdown. Just get into the red zone. But. I did drink my 10 shots that I promised. Tremendous. So I covered, I covered the line. This week, a big game I'm watching. College game day is even going to be there. Iowa at Iowa State. Number 19 Iowa going into Jack Trice Stadium. I don't like the Hawkeyes' chances. And, and I hate Iowa State, but I got to go with the clones in this one. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. I will not talk pro wrestling with you, but I will talk football with you. If you want to hit me on social media, at NotJargo, RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? While well, you're talking about a game that you're, gonna, that you're hot for this weekend, uh, something I'm going to be hot for Sunday is going to be the Bengals game. We're going to be heading down to uh, to Danny B's, which happens to be the, the home of the first ever hot tag wrestling event. We're going to have tickets available. We got uh, we got hot tag. We got kegs. We got eggs. We got who day. Uh, it's going to be a blast. If you happen to be in uh, the Southern Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Southeast Indiana area, uh, hit me up on social media at the Real RV. I'll get you more details on either joining us Sunday or picking up your tickets for uh, the big show Saturday, October 26th. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be right behind this on the feed. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!